0: Looking back at tradition and history, and seeing a lot of values and stuff that people kind of dismissed for a lot of points in their life as um, old fashioned or outdated. <clears throat> and people are kind of coming back to religion and we're co- finding God, so to speak, in other things and rediscovering like these old principles that uh, people have been depending on and living their lives by for thousands of years
1: hey everybody this is the high hash rate podcast i'm mike and i'm dan and this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about bitcoin life and the absurdity of the fiat world our guests don't necessarily get high with us and you don't have to either but it helps hey welcome back to another episode of high hash rate with mike and dan we have a, an, another classic high hash rate tonight, Dan. It's been a while since we did this. Over okay. a year, I think. The the old two of us, the whole shebang, how it started.
0: Um, we'll see if anybody wants to listen to that.
1: <laughs> so the thing about this is I have I have a list of classic high hash rate style topics to go through. And I could just, I could just list them off, you know, or in a, Uh, in the order. I guess they're like,
0: they're, they're like incomplete sentences that don't (laughs) make a whole lot of sense. And then I got to interpret what the hell I think you (laughs) mean. That's the
1: fucking dynamic, man. That's the fucking dynamic.
0: I, I wanted to name this episode. Just
1: here's context. I wanted to name this episode, Conspiracy Theories and the Zombie Apocalypse.
0: Okay. You you've been on that zombie kick for a while now. You kind of bring that up from time to time.
1: Do you not think about zombies?
0: In what uh, in what way do I? Do you mean? I guess. Well, there is this. I do think about zombies sometimes. It's not like the Roman Empire. I'm not thinking about them all the time, but there was crossed this, my mind.
1: There was this conversation between Robert Breedlove and John Verveke. And they, he spoke, uh, I didn't, and these are like the episodes I missed. I, there's like a few of them that I, or I can't remember. And, but they spoke, they made a relationship between the amount of times we hear the word zombie in our lexicon uh, and how big the zombie and the aspect of a zombie gets um, and its relationship to debt and its relationship to uh, fiat. Okay. So the the big thing that I've been thinking about is this that the stories that we are have been telling ourselves over and over and over again from like the 50s when the first zombie movies came out. And I'm sure there's concepts of zombies prior to films. Obviously it came from somewhere. But these zombies came out Around the '40s or the '50s, with Night of <clears> Living Dead, <throat> and or the one before that, Body Snatchers. Right, <laughs> my, my film history escapes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this thought of these zombies keeps coming more and more, and here we are in 2023, and we have our streets are surrounded by people that have no economic energy.
0: And can only
1: extract economic energy.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, or where you're going with this. I didn't listen to that conversation. But <clears throat> I guess the way that when I when I think about it or when I think about that specific term is that um like the word demon, it's like in the religious text, right? Like and it's some people interpret that as like some ghost spirit or something like that. R- really it's kind of a a term, kind of a term that in my opinion is, um, trying to describe a person who's just, there's something about them, whether it's one specific thing, maybe they're just represent, you know, what we would consider pure evil. And that demon is just like, it's no longer a person. It's a destructive force. If you, if it's in your life, if it's, uh, you know, in your family and you can't avoid it, right. It can be really hard to deal with something like that and like a zombie is kind of becoming that representation of somebody who they're just, they've gotten so far in debt in their life, whether literally it, like in terms of like they owe money and their credit scores down the chitter, or just they've made so many decisions, high tri- high time preference decisions that have stolen their, their time in the future or whatever time they might have in the future and just, Basically, they could spend the rest of their lives trying to be productive, but they would never catch up to all the debt, literally and metaphorically, that they've put themselves into. And at this point, all they can do is, like you said, extract energy, extract. to take. All it can do is take. They're not productive. And, And their incentives are so warped at this point that they just, you know, literally a term for people like this that you see on the streets every day, day walkers, they're just... They're just kind of literally and metaphorically wandering through life without direction because what's the point anymore? And like there's, you know, what value do do you have in your life to try to help somebody who's gotten to the point where they could be accurately described as a zombie? It's probably better for you to just extract yourself from the situation and try to avoid them as much as possible.
1: And then obviously, the next step, you can jump ahead of that and think about
0: zombie companies as well. right. Exactly. That, that's a huge issue right now in low interest rate environment. These companies that weren't profitable, they, you know they had some revenue, but they were anything that they were operating or delivering to the market, they were doing very inefficiently, and they were losing money. but they were able to roll through the debts you know, term after term, because it was cost virtually nothing for them to do so. And the money that they made uh, inflation adjusted would just cover those interest payments. Uh, But that's no longer the case. I mean, a lot of these companies have to refinance, you know, they've already had to, and they've gone out of business or they're on the brink because they can't keep going. The market can't sustain them anymore. Debt is becoming too expensive and they're starting to fall apart. And I think you can even like look at the news news. And see that some of these companies are, they're just, they're no longer making rational business decisions. They're just kind of throwing Hail Marys. Like they're just the marketing campaigns that are just going for controversy and headlines, despite who it upsets, just hoping that something might generate some buzz and they might make a little bit more money. And the people and the shareholders and the people on the board, they're just working there, actively sabotaging the company, just trying to, to extract any value they can out of it while it's still standing like a, like a parasite. And it's like that all throughout the economy, all these companies are like doing this government is like this. I mean, that's what the United States government is just full of bureaucrats and people who don't give a shit about the, what the right decision is, like good policy, like what's the best decision for the future of the country. They're just extracting as much of the taxpayer printer money as they possibly can uh, while they can and letting decrepit senile senior citizens run everything and take the blame for it I mean think about it you like why would you why would you take advice or listen to somebody who wants to create certain policies like for example these green New Deal like trillions of dollars in this climate, Friendly policy for the earth, which, you know, they, they think that this policy is supposed to protect the earth thousands, hundreds of years from now, but none of them plan to have kids. They don't want to, to even have a lineage past their lifetime. Like, why are we, it's like letting somebody pick a movie when you know they're going to fall asleep five minutes into the movie. Like, no, I'm picking the movie because I'm watching it. And I have to be the one that deals with this. and That's just what everything's like right now. It's just my humble opinion. That was, that was a that was a good hit right there.
1: Um, <laughs> so the it basically, a zombie apocalypse is an economic of, a, apocalypse. I would say.
0: Yeah, I think they would probably go hand in hand. I think when you as you watch some of these zombie movies as they've evolved, it's really you know the first ones were just like these crazy actors with makeup and they tried to eat your brain. They just come to your house and it was scary, but. Now it's usually set in some apocalyptic time, like after an economic crash or something happened. Uh, people got a disease, you know, maybe that disease is, is a metaphor for, you know, the decaying of societal values and productivity and just all the everything, right? Everything that makes an economy, you know, it all falls apart and the more people just kind of get sucked into, to becoming a zombie. If they get too close, if they get bitten, if they get bitten by the, Nihilism, or whatever you want to call it, and they just they become zombies as well. Or the and or you got the people who are the bite
1: is the economic pressure,
0: basically. a yeah, bite can just represent anything. Like you could be walking down the street and get hit by a car. And if you don't have car insurance, like, well, now you've you've got this zombie. point where you may you never get out of this debt, and your life starts to spiral, right? Or you get addicted to fentanyl. Ooh, that's the bite, yeah. You end up on the streets, right? Because you why did you get addicted to fentanyl? You may have had. I mean maybe it was accident. Maybe you just like hurt your back and you got addicted and that sucks. But a lot of times it's despair and poverty, lack of opportunity. What else is there to do? This feels good. High time preference shit.
1: Wow. Okay. So that sort of sums up that connection in, in a little bit. I'm sure there's other thoughts on this. And if anyone out there has any other thoughts on this, I would love to hear it. Um, the other thing I was thinking about, well, by the way, have, do you have a zombie apocalypse uh, strategy, Dan? Have you thought about um, this? This is, this is something I think about.
0: Kind of. Um, yeah, like the people who, they're preppers, right? And they're just like stocking up ammo and food and, maybe they bought a farm or something like that and they're going to go live in a rural area or just live off the land. Um, I have guns. I've got some extra food. I've got property. It's not really, uh, in a rural area, but it's, I would say if you were putting odds on or, or, or uh, yeah, odds on like zip codes or, or just parts of the country that were going to be more likely to be affected and, and, hit by the zombie apocalypse, for example. Um, and what those that are not, I think that I'm in a very low risk area. So, but I still have guns, like I said. Um, but it, I don't know. It's hard to, I don't know if I have a good grip on my perspective on it. Um, like I've thought, thought it out too deeply, but I, from what I've, you know, I can think about or what I can say right now is just that there is, you know, you can prep for, to like be a survivalist the rest of your life. Um, and I don't know if that is worth it. I feel like if things were to get so bad that you needed that many supplies and that much ammo, um, you're probably not going to make it long anyway. And even if you did, it's probably going to be a shit life on the run hiding from the zombies, which is not what I would like prefer to live my life that way. <clears throat> um, so I think that I've got enough of a plan and enough supply to get me to, you know, the ability to execute that plan or that strategy or just that lifestyle that I would have to live um, to hopefully see through the other side, if it was temporary or to band up with other people um, and build something new, because I think that the only Way that you can um, defeat that—I uh, don't know—defeat a zombie apocalypse or whatever. That survive force, it. Is defeat that force is with yeah. others. Is to is, is to, to ban up with others and become stronger than that that force that's trying to destroy you. It's you just the force that force just wins, or the force that you help build, or you are a part of that you find will defeat that. You know, one of those two sides, right? of the conflict will, will survive. And I would rather fight even if it's a losing battle to be a part of the winning side, the winning force for good, if you want to call it that, um, then just run and isolate and wait to be picked off by the zombies. I think you're, I just think, I mean, I think that's a metaphor for having community and, and building strong local communities and families having a building your own family. Um, I think that those actions are actively combating the zombie apocalypse every day if you do the right things and you build healthy, strong communities, that you're you're preventing the zombie apocalypse from getting out of control.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I I think the the thing that made me think about is just these movies
0: <clears throat> have just been are they a warning? yeah of course i think so i think well i mean it's it's art right it's showing people Uh, something that something that they might not have been able to imagine on their own mm -hmm. it's it's show it's intriguing their mind and making them think differently and maybe other people are having this you know these similar thoughts about what zombies represent right and they they're trying to figure out in their lives at some level how the How to defeat that, how to overcome that in a less, you know, not exactly. Some people are literally stocking up on AR-15s and MREs and they're going to build a cabin in the woods and think that, you know, they're just going to wait and mow them all down. But I think other people, hopefully, even if they don't consciously realize it, are, you know, making those connections and in their own way. Right. And they're, they're trying to build a stronger, you know, what's the word, uh, prevent, preventative measures. I probably have
1: one more question on zombie apocalypse, but I wanted to, okay, to pivot. I wanted to pivot to some, to, to a topic perhaps you wanted to bring up. However, I
0: have another one. If
1: you want to, Yeah, just
0: in in case in case you're wondering why my voice sounds weird, I don't think I brought it up. I like had a nasty like I don't know pneumonia or something, and my my voice has been gone for like three days or more since Friday last week. So it's I'm getting better now, but yeah, that's why I sound. Is that the just I'm not that high. No no worries. (laughs) Um, is that the new COVID? Probably. I didn't I didn't test I didn't get tested for it, but. I'm, everybody seems to have it. If, if 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 it was the COVID virus, it would not. The Chinese finally got me. <laughs> I've been talking shit on Twitter, and they finally it's, got me.
1: This puts an oh, this is great. It puts an <laughs> implant in my brain about it's a good segue. Uh, uh, Bill Gates um, creating COVID, and now it's in your
0: body. <laughs> I, just, I just saw the visual of that. Um, uh, bro why so, are you as a man letting Chinese dudes put stuff in your body yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so that actually brings me to the next topic which was conspiracy theories <laughs> <laughs> love and me
0: conspiracy theories do you entertain conspiracy theories I entertain every conspiracy <laughs> theory I think about them way too much I love them I think they're, some, of them are, some of them are brilliant some of them are stupid as hell um, I like, for example, the the lasers, the lasers from the sky that are going to burn your house down. If you live in Hawaii, if you don't have a blue roof, love that conspiracy. <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, but I love it. Um, but some of them are, some of them are pretty good and some of them are compelling. Some of them are pretty, they, they hold their water years later. Right. But I think that, uh, I think most conspiracies are people coping I think that when you see something really scary or really tragic or something that you thought was just like not possible or inconceivable, right? Like the assassination of presidents, 9-11, right? Like you didn't, there's no way you thought that was possible. I remember when I was in eighth or eighth or ninth grade, whenever it was in 9-11, I was in geography class and, uh, when they, when they first reported that the, the Pentagon had been hit, Right. They didn't say that it got hit by a plane. At least whatever we heard in school was that it got hit by a missile and then it was cleared up later. But I just remember thinking, like, that's the most in my mind as like a 14 year old, like, that's the most secure military place, like, in the world, in my opinion, right? Like, the Pentagon, like, they probably got missiles and fucking snipers up there all day long. Like, nothing, you can't get a missile into the Pentagon. And they did. And it was, it was scary. But, events like that happen and it's, it's more comforting in a way to, you know, assign or to say that, or to think that people really powerful, really powerful people purposely um constructed something like that, or they were, they plotted it and made it occur um, than it is to accept that you're not as safe and secure or, Think that the things that you thought were secure that you looked for for security and you looked for for strength or whatever, right? That those could just on a whim uh, have something, you know, terrible happen, right? Like that there could just be a lack of security or that people are just apathetic and they're not paying attention, they're not sharing intelligence or they're the secret service failed to protect the president, whatever it is, right? It's and then you dig a little bit deeper. And you start to think about there's probably some truth to a lot of conspiracy theories, right? Like not necessarily that this, the, the theory, the officially accepted theory, right? Is, is how it unfolded, but there was a reason, for example, nine eleven, right? Like, is it better or worse if Bush and those, you know, the government planned it and did it to like, uh, create the opportunity for war and such like that. Like Bush did 9-11, right? The meme. Is it scarier if that happened? Or if that we were just so apathetic and arrogant and um, just incompetent as a U.S. government, as a country, as people, right? Like we were so distracted with um, the Monica Lewinsky scandal right up to that, right? Like just like the who the president got a blowjob from an intern. Like th- that was the m- number one thing on the front page of every newspaper for years up to this point, right? When this was allegedly being plotted by Al Qaeda. And then we had, you know, Bush who was dude, he's kind of a cowboy probably wasn't paying that much attention to shit. Uh, arrogant. There's just all kinds of political and pop culture drama that was distracting us. Right. And boom, you got hit. Is that scarier? Right. Like if we're all just collectively asleep at the wheel and we let these things happen, or is it scarier if, if Bush and, and his cronies and really powerful evil people can construct the the plot and make it happen?
1: I well, I definitely <laughs> lean towards the latter being scarier.
0: Okay. Yeah. Just because yeah, I think about it, right? It's like if it's a plot is it, ni- if nine if nine eleven was an inside job, what does that mean? Does that mean they plotted it or does that mean that the 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 reason it was able to occur was because of Negligence us. or us. because of because it was inside it, the, the the vulnerability came from us and we caught, we, our actions caused it to be possible. And so somebody did because it was possible. They did it, but they wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for our, you know, our focus, our lack of care like, or, at, or apathy, like I said.
1: So I guess it's like two sides of the same coin in a way.
0: Exactly. That's that's yeah, I guess that's kinda of my point is like these, even if, if you look at these you know, conspiracies from that angle, the, right? The, the like one, maybe try one thing, to
1: find The one thing is for sure, there's an official narrative as to how right. it was. Oh, always, always. as as it happened. And there Everybody wants to have the narrative. There are so many holes in that narrative. And so it makes you wonder what why lie about the official narrative.
0: Oh, it's, if- I mean, people, our entire society is is constructed from a legal and institutional level to deflect responsibility. Mm. I mean, you have, uh, you create an LLC as a company, so you can't personally be sued for the actions of your company, right? Like you have uh, a corporation, you, can, you know, in very rare cases, right, could you like hold the, shareholders personally responsible for crimes committed by a company you know unless like you know sometimes the ceo will go down when he was the one at, it was orchestrating it but like generally speaking everything is to deflect liability pfizer right like they they released the in moderna they released the vaccines they weren't fda approved part of the agreement for that is that you can't sue them for damages that might have been done to your body if you had a negative uh reaction mm-hmm. you have i mean just Insurance everything everything is to deflect liability. So why would the official narrative? lie? because the official narrative told the truth, right? Like people probably may have run Bush and Cheney and and the people in the NSA and the FBI and the CIA They would have been all run out of their offices. They would have lost their jobs. They would have been found incompetent and fail they failed so it's easier to put the blame on you know a, a foreign entity overseas with a different culture conflicting values i'm not saying that um that is i mean i'm not saying like that's what happened at 9-11 i don't know right but obviously the official narrative is not the whole truth but you know the the incentive to lie is not to necessarily cover up that you did it but to cover up that you let it happen Mm -hmm. which like i said It doesn't really. I guess intentions don't matter, right? It's all. It's all about results.
1: Yes, exactly. That's well put.
0: Well put. Bush didn't want nine eleven to happen necessarily, but he it did anyway. So, what's the difference?
1: Well, it brings me to this current situation that's going on in the Middle East. Oh yeah, what's that? Well, amongst all the other. You know, oh you're ter- talking about hamas yeah yeah terrible things that have happened Kidding. as we're recording um between hamas and israel and palestine the or the the state of palestine uh all these things uh, they are have all these like little stories come out about damage done on each side and twists and changes to each one denying that the other is, you know, their stories are particularly correct or their story is a lie. Uh, w- the one that's going on right now is the hospital that was bombed that had 500 plus people on Palestine's side, but was it a Hamas? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, misfire missile or was it a an Israeli? And that's really and that's and it's
0: really it's to focus on that. In my opinion, like, I don't want to make, I don't really want to justify the, any violence on either side. Like Hamas is a brutal group who slaughters and kills innocent people. Like that's their goal. And, um, there's no excusing that. Um, and Israel also, they fucking kill a lot of Palestinians. There's a lot of, (sighs) People say that there's there's a lot of oppression if that's the word you want to use, right? Like, but it's it the results are the results, whether you want to say they're justified or not. It's bad. It's a bad situation all around. But here's my here's the thing. Told you we get into
1: I told you we to, get, get into a true
0: high right, right. hash rate. Moment, but so right. um, so the hospital thing. But here's the background. Like, Hamas. It's it's not a secret. It's not a new tactic. They store weapons. Um, They have military, you know, headquarters or whatever you want to call them, and troops and soldiers. They use hospitals, they use schools, they use you know all kinds of civilian infrastructure, and things like hospitals too. Basically, use the people in those as like human shields, women, children, civilians as covers, right? Like that's what they do, and. So if the you know Israel hit bombs it, it's a it's a PR win for them. The world says, Oh, look at you know, Israel bombed a hospital. Um but Hamas also if they hit their own hospital, I don't know the truth. Uh it's possible because Hamas does fire rockets out of Gaza into Israel, uh, to kill civilians, to kill anybody. Uh and many of those rockets miss, they misfire, they get hit by the Iron Dome, whatever, and they land in Palestinian areas, they land in Gaza, and they kill Palestinians, they kill the people that you know, their people, right, all the time and where do they get some of those rockets? I mean, Israel paid millions and dollars I think tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars to lay like water pipe and infrastructure in Gaza for the people and they dug it up and they used the pipes to fashion rockets that they fired and maybe killed uh, civilians, so that's, I mean, the background there and then the fact that You know, especially right after the days of the war, like Israel was just bombing the shit out of, uh, of Gaza. They were going to turn it to glass, you know, people were saying. And that killed a lot of people. It was a response to a brutal attack. But this is, my point is, this has been going back and forth for thousands of years. All right. Like they just, these people hate each other so much that it's probably like a genetic disposition. Like they probably have a gene in them that, that whether they care about or whether they try to like 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 Palestinians and you know Muslims or not they don't and vice versa so there is no there's no sides here either right like cuz you have people you have you've had jewish israelis who have died in the streets at the hands of the IDF protesting the Netanyahu administration because of their policies so you have israelis jews dying at the hands of the Israeli government, you have Palestinians dying at the hands of their, and Palestinians dying at the hands of Palestinians. And you have Palestinians who live among the Israelis in the Israeli territories and they have normal lives. They get, they have neighbors that are Israeli Jewish that they love. They're they, they, they those are people that have different experience. Um, so it's really not two sides. It's kind of, you have kind of have to force it, everything into a two-side debate in a situation like this, I guess, like in war. But at the end of the day, that's, it's really not the case. And it's at, you know, like in all of other human history, the strong survive the strong conquer, um, whether they conquer the lands militarily or their culture just survives and remains intact despite occupations and such like that. And eventually, you know, a stronger, more dominant society or culture or civilization ends up winning territory, winning and the cultures they conquer. Some of them go, they're erased from history. Um, n- there's no right or wrong about that. Um, it's that's what happens. And at this point you, you can kind of look at the situation and be like, my opinion doesn't matter so much because I, what difference am I going to make here? Um, and I don't know. Uh, so I don't personally have that much stake in it. So my, my opinion, I don't think my opinion matters. So I haven't formed one or picked a side. Right. So to speak. Um, but, but, but you have a different that, that, situation. That
1: was a, no, I was just, I was, that was a wonderful offshoot of what I, where I was going to go with this. Cause the, the way I was thinking about it was there's so much, counter information oh, yeah. on either side right and all of it is coming at me at lightning speed as much as fast right. as i can scroll it, right? uh, i
0: guess i guess my to and, answer that question right with about the misinformation it's the reason i said I, this kind of this misses the forest for the trees this specific hospital situation is because there's so much data on this conflict and on these sides and the things that they've done to each other. There's just so much data, so much evidence that one more piece of evidence is not going to, it's not going to sway a lot of people's opinions. It's not going to change really perceptions or, or change the dynamic overall because it's, you know, it's just one more tragic thing of tons of tragic things that these two groups do to each other. And so I think that people are really focusing on in virtue signaling this and kinda using this to project, you know, personal issues um onto these external conflicts. And it, it's not just Israel Hamas either, right? Like the Russia Ukraine thing, the Democrat, Republican, Blue State, Red State, like these external conflicts that people just really, especially the ones that don't have stake in them, um, yeah they i think they're just using it to avoid dealing with issues in their own life um and they're, so they're just projecting like their you know their hatred for the people in their community they're putting they're put, they're, the they're painting the israelis or they're painting the jews or they're projecting those uh, things that they hate about their neighbors and it's it's i think it's a slippery slope i think it's dangerous
1: And it also made me think of the broader aspect of this thing about receiving information at that rate, not being able to trust right, any right. of it. And so you start to fall back into a position of- Oh yeah,
0: that's a good point.
1: Uh, at least this is me. It's like, can I don't believe in it. Yeah, that's- um, like, sorry, uh, I, don't, I don't believe uh, any anything. Troy
0: Cross, um, or is that, yeah, the, the, um, the academic guy energy guy on Twitter. Um, he tweeted something yesterday. He said, welcome to epistemic hell. And for those of you who don't know, ep- epistemology is the study or the school of thought around knowledge and what it means to know something and what it means to um, have any ability to have knowledge at all. Right. And so this was like kind of the forefront of of philosophy in the early modern era, which was like the 16th, 17th, 18th century, or excuse me, 17th, 18th, 19th centuries. You had Descartes, um, Spinoza, right? Like the, who asked the questions like, how, how do I know information? How can I know um who I am or, or what is real? Or even, you know, can I trust my eyes? Can I trust my senses? Like, is any of this real? Is it it an illusion? Um, And that came right on the heels of the Renaissance. Uh, And the Renaissance was a time of great discovery, technological advancement, uh, world like travel. Like the explorers were going out and finding new continents and charting the world, uh, art, exploded and and it changed especially in the high renaissance the end of the renaissance which the art was like kind of a instead of the early renaissance which really focused on technical principles and the work and like the the textures of the paint and just the real right and the high renaissance was started to blur lines and it started to be less technically um um emphasis less emphasis on the technically accurate and more emphasis on the creating harmony and and blending ideas. And you think about like this explosion and discovery and new information, the printing press came out in the Renaissance era, right? People started to read books. They started to find out that there was these new places all over the world, these new cultures. And all of this happened, right? And then right after that, you had this explosion of philosophy about trying to understand how can you know if anything is real? And so what I, I'm, Kind of bringing this back to is we've had this explosion in information, data, discovery, seeing what's real in other cultures around the world. You can go on Snapchat, right? You you can go on Snapchat right now and you could go to Mongolia on the map and you could hit the heat and you could be watching Snapchat stories from a Mongolian family living in a tent, a modern tent out on the, um, you know the steps you could go to afghanistan and you can just watch somebody's snapchat story of them driving down kabul like in like something that happened today they're listening to music it's like it seems like a normal life right so and then you have ai and we're starting to maybe come to this point where we need a new school of epistemology a new th- way of thinking about knowledge and how can we know what is real and what can we trust can we trust our eyes can we trust the screens can we trust the data that we're presented with do we have to trust the data that we verify for ourselves don't trust to verify right and it's becoming very difficult to like you said know what's real and i don't think that humans are going to so like the epist, epistemologic dominated modern early era of philosophy lasted a couple centuries is it going to take us that long to be able to adjust and start to figure out how to know it's real in this crazy new environment that we're in now. Or, you know, I hope we figure it out faster shit.
1: You can, you,
0: you made me think about something
1: interesting. You can reverse back in time. If you said that the printing press came from the Renaissance, is
0: that right? It was, it was invent. Uh, Gutenberg came, you know, developed it, it during that time. Yeah. At the get kind of, yeah. Around this time.
1: So the, the reaction to whatever prior, you know, force was in, in place gave, gave the Renaissance, this thing, a, a birthing of, uh, of a tool that can print out Yeah. Messages. Think about this.
0: So this is even more interesting part of the theme or part of what the Renaissance uh, is kind of remembered for is um, and I, you know, I'm sure the printing press had a lot to do with this is uh, the people kind of came out of the middle ages, the medieval times, the dark, the dark ages, so to speak. And they rediscovered ancient classical philosophy, ancient knowledge from, you know, other parts of the world, right? Like like the Middle East, they realized that all these philosophers had all these ideas that were novel to them now, and they were reading them and rediscovering them and rethinking them and putting like a modern um, interpretation (coughs) from their lived experiences. And that's kind of almost seems to be what some people are doing today, right, with kind of this kind of this um, looking back at tradition in history and seeing a lot of values and stuff that people kind of dismissed for a lot of points in their life um, as old-fashioned or outdated, and people are kind of coming back to religion We're finding God, so to speak, in other things and rediscovering like these old principles that uh, people have been depending on and living their lives by for thousands of years um, and starting to really get back to the nuts and bolts and try to build an idea from there about what is real and what is, you know, when you say real, when you say fake, it's, if you broaden those terms out a little bit, it's like, what is value and what is like a passing fad or just um, smoke and mirrors? Well,
1: something that um, Fundamental brought <clears throat> up in his, in, I think it was his latest episode of... Um, Rock, Paper, Bitcoin. Rock, Paper, Bitcoin. Uh, Shout the out to them. podcast. He... Yes, absolutely. Big shout out to these guys. Um, The thing that he spoke about... Oh God, I'm going to lose it. It, Rewind back, Mike. Rewind back. Rewind back. The thing that he spoke about was... (coughs) um, Dan, go back to the previous topic. For a second, what? Where's the, the talking about Hamas know, and maybe the
0: information and knowing what's real and what's misinformation?
1: Uh, man, I cannot think. It's like a, a connection to reality or non-reality. And go, oh, Mike! Come on, just come up. With, just <laughs> it sounds like God. I it sounds like hate it, it left there.
0: a left an imprint on you.
1: I want to even go into like, uh, the episodes. It was such a good point. It was such a good point. Fuck! I gotta edit all this bullshit out. Anyway, so I'm just gonna pause here for a second. So this is this very typical behavior of me when I smoke pot. I I tend to have uh, some sort of fleeting idea, and if I don't get it out fast enough, it evaporates very quickly. But uh, I went ahead and. I went back and listened to the episode of Rock Paper Bitcoin, their most recent one, uh, number 22, I think it was. And Fundamentals, shout out to you guys, Fundamentals and Business Cat, love your show. Anyway, he speaks about how you're not going to even be able to get a ribeye anymore. It's not that it will be too expensive. It's that the ingredients to get a ribeye won't be available because of fiat has degraded our lives so much he talks about in addition to that he sort of likens it to this story about a dryer that he has that he's had for 15 years and that it finally broke down and instead of going out and just getting a new one he decided to just get it repaired because he knows that the the quality of the product if he goes out today, will be just so far less. So when Dan and I were speaking about, you know, smoke and mirrors of fiat or can't trust, verify and and you you can't trust the the very things in front of you or the information. It made me think of this thread about um, trusting the products uh, that come into your life, and I'm sure Dan would have taken that you know somewhere f- far more. <laughs> <laughs> far more thoughtful than I would but anyway uh, so and with that I'll return you guys to your uh, regularly scheduled uh, high hash rate program thank you alright okay. I can't think of it I'll have to go but it's gonna kill me I'm gonna this Classic fucking move oh god oh, this long ass pause the the weight of the recording is all upon me oh um,
0: Dan, get staged
1: right bad, huh? Let's. I don't think I get stage fright as much. You know, I used to perform, so I have this feeling in me constantly that I'm being watched. Anyway, uh, I will. Let's close it out. How about that? Sounds good to me. Any closing thoughts, Dan? I wasn't really ready
0: for closing thoughts. I hope. This episode Damn. of just just us talking about zombies. <laughs> really <and> really <coughs> resonates with people. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a... Uh,
1: yeah, that, that shit went downhill. I had, it's such a nice little... Oh, yeah. There.
0: Everybody at Pacific Bitcoin was like, I saw my high-hash rate t-shirt, and they really wanted a high-hash rate t-shirt, so... I don't know. I might make, I might have like a a hundred of them made and I might sell them. So if you, if you like that, let me know. Uh, might sell some high, hash rate t-shirts soon to come.
1: (laughs) Ah, okay. Is, (laughs) is the printing press the equivalent to what AI is today?
0: That's something that made me think about. I don't know, maybe yeah, because the right, we, like, maybe, is this the maybe new rep- people like looked at this as like a revolution of information and sharing the truth, but all you're doing is um, re mass producing and redistributing uh, narratives people constructed. Everybody's got their own narrative about the history of something or what happened, a story. Everybody's got a, a narrative about. Why that happened or how it happened. <clears throat> and uh, so that's what we did. We, we, a lot more people started to read a lot more f- official narratives. And because it was in a book and nobody else wrote a book that they have ever heard about from 10,000 years or 2,000 years ago, whatever, you know, that's, that's the official narrative that got uh, saved in history. So, you know, maybe, produced. maybe over time, yeah. because it lasted, that was the most accurate. Um, narrative story whatever but that's really all that's all i ai is doing it's there's a lot of good information that's going to be shared just like in the printing press but it's always going to be biased it's always going to be tainted so to speak by perspective of the people who programmed it the people who created the information that it's using to process no ai is going to it's going to be impactful it's going to have Probably really positive results, but I don't think that it's it's not the God that people uh, are going to make it out to be.
1: All right. I think we should uh, wrap it up. Dan, that was, I think that was a lot of fun. I had episode. fun. And I do – I want to – I just – I do want to apologize to to you, fundamentals, <laughs> for, for not for for choking out at, on this this particular moment. And Next, I will we will, uh, we will get you back you know, on the show and, and we can discuss can it with you. Wow, that would be great. I want both of those guys on the show. I'm down. I also want. I do want to call out Lonely Pumpkins as well on this episode too. Because this dude Timely is always, for the, it's it's always. Thank you, lon- lonely yeah. pumpkins, very much. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right, man. I'll cut it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin H R T L N D Bitcoin, or myself Mike at Rundance Bitcoin. That's all one word: Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Holy Toledo!